Hello, and welcome into the Star Wars Legends Lounge, the show that celebrates the books from Star Wars Legends. I'm Aaron Motes. On today's episode, it's a story of corruption, desertion, and finding allies in the strangest of places. Allegiance by Timothy Zahn, featuring everyone's favorite emperor's hand, Mara Jade. But first, I have a little confession to make. As much as I enjoy making this podcast and trying to get everything to sound as good as possible, I'm really pretty ignorant when it comes to the technology, specifically the ability to check out the different podcast providers that carry the show and figure out how to navigate those apps. Anyway, my brother this week told me that someone had left a review of the podcast on Apple Podcasts last December. He showed it to me, and I was floored by the kind words. It was left by someone named Peeps and Freaks. It says, Aaron has a voice that was made for podcasting. He reads through the expanded universe and provides a summary and his thoughts in a great 30-minute format. Hopefully, one day we get an hour-long episode, and I'm looking forward to Season 2 and beyond. Well, thank you very much for the review, peeps and freaks. I'm sorry that it uh, took so long for me to discover it. I got to get my brother to show me how to search for reviews here in the near future. Now it's time for listener messages. I have two this episode. The first comes from listener Colin, who wrote a very nice email, but I'm going to have to shorten it a little bit for the podcast. Colin says, I recently found your show and have blitzed through them while at work. My only regret is now that I'm caught up, I have to wait for the next installments going forward. I'm currently reading the original Thrawn trilogy, Jedi Academy trilogy, I Jedi, Hand of Thrawn duology, and I'm about halfway through the new Jedi Order series. My question for you is about the NJO. Since it's such a long series with 19 books, how or when do you plan on tackling it on the show? P.S. What's your favorite EU exclamation? Sispawn or Emperor's Black Bones? And how does Dank Ferrick measure up? Well, thank you very much for the email, Colin. I'm so happy you're enjoying the podcast, and I'm glad it has helped stoke a desire to read more Star Wars books. Your last question is easy. My favorite Star Wars expletive is Ichuta, the thing that the protocol droid in Cloud City says to insult 3PO in The Empire Strikes Back. We don't know exactly what it means, but from the context, I think it probably starts with an F and ends in a U. I also really like Sithspit, and I mumble both of those under my breath almost daily when I do something stupid. As to your first question, yes, the New Jedi Order is 19 books, and I've been thinking about how to best handle that series, as well as the Legacy of the Force series and the Fate of the Jedi series. You can't really break those three series up. It's not like the X-Wing books where there are distinct story arcs that don't really impact each other. Doing a show every other week means 26 episodes per year. Now, I've had a lot of requests for stories, so I'll pick from those for the first seven episodes of the next year, and then I plan on doing the New Jedi Order for the final 19 episodes of 2023. 
I hope following one long story doesn't get boring for people, but I don't think you can break those stories apart. Thank you for the email, Colin. My second email comes from listener Zachary. Zachary says, Who was Anakin Solo? Other than him being Jaina and Jason's brother, I don't know anything about him. Thank you for having such an awesome podcast. Well, thank you, Zachary, for the kind words and the question. I don't want to say too much about Anakin Solo because I don't want to spoil anything about the character as we go further along in the podcast, but there are some things I think I'm safe in saying. Yes, Anakin Solo is the younger brother of the Solo twins, Jaina and Jason. He was introduced in the Dark Empire comic series, which takes place only about a year, year and a half after the Heir to the Empire trilogy. Just like his grandfather and namesake, Anakin Solo is extremely powerful in the Force. Luke thinks he might be just as naturally gifted as Anakin Skywalker. You'll see that Anakin's abilities will help his siblings and many others out of some very difficult situations as we go forward, and that starts when he's a toddler. As he grows up, he starts to feel the weight of his name as a bit of a burden, but by the time Anakin Solo hits his teenage years, he's determined to take ownership of that name, partially to prove he's not his grandfather, but partially to rehab his grandfather's image. I don't really want to say much else because Anakin and his brother and sister are really the main protagonists in the New Jedi Order series, and I don't want to give anything away. But trust me, Zachary, you're going to want to listen to those episodes next year. Thank you once again to Colin and Zachary, and remember, if you'd like to have a message read on the show, you can email me at swlegendslounge at gmail.com or send me a tweet at Legends Lounge One. Or, if you'd like to send an audio message, feel free. Just please record it in MP3 or MP4 audio format. Now let's get to today's book, Allegiance by Timothy Zahn. Grab yourself a drink. It's time to head in to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. The story begins six months after the Battle of Yavin. The Rebel Alliance is hiding in the Outer Rim on the planet Teardrop, but word of an Imperial Star Destroyer en route to the system leads the Rebels to evacuate the base. Han and Chewie load a Rebel tech team on the Millennium Falcon and flee the system just as the reprisal arrives, under the command of Captain Kendall Ozzel. There's also a member of the Imperial Security Bureau on the reprisal, Major Drelfin. The ISB agent leads a group of Imperial stormtroopers down to the planet to search for any remaining rebels. One of the stormtroopers is Derek Larone, who is starting to become disillusioned with the Empire. Larone signed up to help keep peace and order throughout the Empire, something the galaxy was missing during the chaos and lawlessness following the Clone Wars. But now, he's mostly being used for crowd control terrorizing the people he swore to protect. And it's only gotten worse. Six months ago, the Death Star destroyed Alderaan, a peaceful planet. Now, even if there was a heavy rebel influence on the planet, 
Lerone can't believe that everyone on Alderaan could possibly have known about it. Why did everyone on the planet need sentenced to death? As Lerone and the other troopers land and search a local town, it becomes clear that the rebels have already evacuated. But Major Drelfin orders the local population rounded up and executed as rebel sympathizers. Lerone disobeys orders by missing his targets, but he's unable to stop the other troopers from killing the townspeople. Returning to the reprisal, Lerone and four other troopers, Grave, Marcross, Quiller, and Brightwater, discuss what happened down on Teardrop. They're confronted by Major Drelfin, who threatens to charge Lerone for disobeying orders. When Lerone says the orders went unlawful, the ISB agent pulls a blaster and tries to arrest him. Lerone grabs Drelfin and twists the weapon out of his hand. Drelfin cries treason and vows to see Lerone executed. He lunges for the weapon, but Lerone shoots Drelfin in the chest, killing him. Knowing that ISB will never give him a fair trial for killing one of their agents, Lerone decides he has to desert and asks his four friends to allow him to leave. But the others know they'll be implicated in Drelfin's death, so they agree to desert with Lerone. The five stash Drelfin's body in a storage locker and make their way to one of the hangar bays. They commandeer an ISB freighter and bluff their way out by Lerone impersonating Drelfin. The five deserters head to the nearby planet Dronost to lie low and gather supplies. Elsewhere, Mara Jade infiltrates a high society ball thrown by Moff Glovstoke, who she suspects is embezzling money from the Empire. The Emperor's hand goes undercover as the Countess Claria, a beautiful young socialite who can't hold her alcohol. After catching the Moff's attention, Mara fakes being ill and begs Glovstoke to give her a place to rest. Once alone, Mara sneaks away and discovers the Moff's private vault. In it, she finds priceless artworks worth hundreds of millions of credits, worth much more than a lesser Moff could ever afford. But some pieces of art that should be there are missing. Has Glovstoke sold some of them off? Recording the evidence, Mara contacts the Emperor and asks for permission to investigate further. Suspicious that Glovstoke may be using the embezzled funds to finance other nefarious activities. The deserters arrive on Dronos to look for supplies. Lerone and Grave search the shops near the spaceport while the other three remain on their stolen ship. Lerone and Grave witness a swoop gang harassing a group of farmers loading up equipment to haul out of town. Remembering his oath that protecting people was one of the reasons he signed up to be a stormtrooper, Lerone calms the others to help with the gang. The five stormtroopers quickly dispatch the gang, killing two and chasing the others off. One of the farmers, a man named Porter, thanks Lerone for the help and tells the troopers the gang was part of a pirate group called the Blood Scars. Lerone and the deserters head back to their ship and decide to search the Shelsa system to put an end to the Blood Scars' reign of terror. What the former stormtroopers don't realize is that Porter, the farmer, is actually a rebel operative who quickly reports up the chain that a group of stormtroopers is there on Dronost. The report surprises Alliance Command, of course. 
why would stormtroopers help a group of Alliance operatives? Unless they didn't know who Porter and the farmers really were. It's an interesting situation that will require further investigation, but Mon Mothma and General Carlist Riken have a more important situation at the moment. Leia needs to meet with a rebel synthesizer named Yiru Chivkairi, an administrator on one of the planets in the Shelsha system, who says he can deliver much-needed people and supplies into the Alliance. Luke, Han, and Chewie are initially assigned to escort Leia to the meeting, but Han is tired of playing politics for Rebel Command. So, Luke suggests Han and Chewie investigate the blood scars. Leia and Riken like the idea, and they send Luke right along with them. They head to Dronos to meet with Porter for any information he has about the blood scars, while Leia heads off to meet with Chivkari. Larone and the deserters land on the planet Ranklinge to finish looking for supplies, but, of course, trouble always finds them. The five troopers find the capital under the control of a corrupt police chief named Kavsarin, who uses the police as his own personal gang, stealing from citizens and tourists. The five former stormtroopers lead an uprising in the capital and remove the corrupt cops from power, killing Kavsarin in the process. When people ask the troopers for their unit number so they can send a message of gratitude to the Imperial Sector Governor, Larone says they're working in secret and refuses to give them a unit number. He says their group is known as the Hand of Judgment, and they're in the Shellshaw sector to help weed out criminal elements. The people of Ranklage tell Larone that Kavsarin was working with a pirate gang in the sector, the Blood Scars. Hearing the name, Larone and his men decide to head back to Dronost and pick up the trail of the pirates. Mara's investigation of Moff Glovstoke also leads her to the Blood Scars. When she discovers the pirates stealing an Imperial freighter carrying 50 ATST walkers, Mara kills them and takes the ship. She contacts the Imperial Navy commander for the sector, Captain Ozel, and flies the freighter to the reprisal. Mara's presence causes Ozel to panic, as well as ISB Colonel Vac Somaril, who believes the Emperor's Hand is coming to deal with them over Major Drelfin's murder and the desertion of the five stormtroopers. But of course, Mara doesn't know anything about that. She informs Ozel about the blood scars and heads out to the planet Geperin, the pirates' headquarters. Han, Luke, Chewie, and the Hand of Judgment arrive on Dronost at the same time to try and track the blood scars. Han, Luke, and Chewie notice a group planning a bank robbery. Luke ignites his lightsaber, creating a distraction while Han and Chewie jump the thugs, subduing them. Larone and Grave watch the scene play out. When the local police show up to take custody of the thugs, Larone decides to follow Luke, Han, and Chewie, thinking that they may have information about the blood scars. They follow them to the Millennium Falcon and follow the ship into orbit. There, the two groups form an alliance to search for the pirates. Meanwhile, Leia meets with Chivkairi and two other rebel sympathizers from the Shelshan sector. Chivkairi lays out the sector's proposal. Imperial Governor Barshins Chord plans for the sector to secede from the Empire 
and will offer the sector's resources to the Alliance, but only if the rebels can attack other areas in the Empire, forcing Palpatine to divide his forces. Chief Kyrie says the governor's top aide, Chief Administrator Willem Disra, has given his word that Chord is serious about secession. Leia is skeptical and wants to speak with Chord and Disra herself. She convinces Chief Kyrie to take her to Shell Quanwa, the sector's capital planet. There, Chief Kyrie organizes a meeting with Disra, who is amazed to see Leia. And that gets Disra's mind working, because while Governor Chord does plan to have Shellsha sector secede from the Empire, he has no intention of joining the Rebel Alliance. Chord plans to set up his own personal kingdom, and Disra has been quietly gathering information about the scheme that he plans to turn over to the Empire, exposing Chord in hopes of being elevated to the governor's position. But if Disra is able to capture Leia, he believes his reward will be much greater than for simply turning in Chord. After the meeting, Disra returns to the governor's palace and shuts down the spaceport, trapping Leia on Shelkanwa. Chivkairi learns that Disra has done this and takes Leia into hiding, finding her a job as a waitress at a tapcaf while she waits for an opportunity to escape the planet. Mera lands on Geperin and infiltrates the pirate base. The Bloodscars take her into custody, but the Emperor's hand breaks out and wreaks havoc. She kills her captors and chases the leaders of the pirates through the base. Mera finds the comm room and calls the reprisal in for support. Thinking he can kill two birds with one stone, Ozel orders an aerial bombardment of the base to destroy the Bloodscars and to kill the Emperor's hand, still thinking she knows about the five stormtroopers who had deserted. When the bombardment ends, the Falcon and the deserters arrive at Geperin, and Ozel orders the reprisal to attack the ships. Han and Luke transfer over to the Imperial ship, while Chewie uses the Falcon as bait, drawing the Star Destroyer away from Geperin, tricking Ozel to follow him and jump to Alderaan. Mara comes out of hiding and flees on one of the few pirate ships that escaped the bombardment. She jumps to Shell Conwa, having seen records of transmissions to Governor Chord's office while she was in the comm room. Chewie returns shortly to Geperin, having escaped the reprisal. Han and Luke transfer back to the Falcon, and the two ships also jump to Shelkanwa. When Mera, the Falcon, and the Hand of Judgment arrive at Shelkanwa, they find the Executor in orbit, Darth Vader's flagship. The capital spaceport is closed for traffic, and they're detoured to another a few kilometers north of the city. Upon landing, Mera is attacked by an ATST, but the Hand of Judgment comes to her aid. After dispatching the walker, Mera leads the stormtroopers to the governor's palace. Convinced, Chord is the ultimate source of the corruption in Shelsha Sector. They arrest the governor and turn Chord over to Vader. Elsewhere in the city, Han and Luke find Leia and sneak her out to the Falcon. They flee Shelkanwa and head back to the Alliance Command. The story ends with Mera leading the Hand of Judgment back to the spaceport, where she learns the truth about the deserters. Larone believes that's it for the former stormtroopers, 
assuming the emperor's hand will have them executed. But, to their surprise, Mera lets the deserters go. She tells them to go into hiding, to stop acting like vigilantes, and to give up the name Hand of Judgment. After all, there's only room for one hand in the Empire. Time for a break. When we come back, I'll talk more about what I think works in Allegiance and what I think doesn't. I'm Aaron Motes. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. Thank you for listening to the Star Wars Legends Lounge, where we talk about the books from Star Wars Legends. But allow me to recommend a book from Star Wars canon. Battlefront 2 Inferno Squad tells the story of Imperial Lieutenant Iden Versio. Tasked with finding and destroying what remains of Saul Guerrera's terrorist organization, Inferno Squad must infiltrate the Partisans before they're discovered and eliminated. It's a tale of action and espionage. That's Battlefront 2 Inferno Squad by Christy Golden. Welcome back to the Star Wars Legends Lounge, the show that celebrates the books from Star Wars Legends. I'm Aaron Motes, and today's book is Allegiance by Timothy Zahn, a story set a few months after the destruction of the first Death Star, featuring the Emperor's Hand, Mara Jade. Allegiance was published in 2007, so this is over a decade after the Heir to the Empire trilogy, the original Thrawn trilogy and after the Hand of Thrawn duology, and after Outbound Flight. Zahn had already written six books in the Legends timeline at this point, and a number of short stories. While Mara Jade was in five of those books, most of what Zahn had written up to this point revolved around Grand Admiral Thrawn. This book, Allegiance, and the sequel to it, Choices of One, are the first two books that Zahn wrote for Star Wars that did not include Thrawn. These focused on Mara Jade. When I went over the Heir to the Empire trilogy earlier in the podcast, I mentioned that I was not as much of a fan of Mara Jade, the character, as many other people. I have nothing against her. She's fine. I just thought it was always a little odd that it never seemed like Mara had to pay any sort of restitution for the things she did as a part of the Empire, especially the stuff that she was ordered directly by Emperor Palpatine. However, seeing Mara work for the Empire is very interesting. I think this is where she is at her best. I'm sure many people will disagree with me, but this is the Mara Jade character that I prefer. And it's completely consistent with a lot of Mara's characterization as we go further along in the Legends timeline. We see Mara as an investigator. She does that in the Heir to the Empire trilogy, in the New Jedi Order series, in the Barbara Hamlin book, Children of the Jedi, later in the Legacy of the Force series. So this part feels very consistent to me with Mare's character. 
And I appreciate seeing her time with the Empire. I wouldn't call her evil, at least not in Allegiance, and as we'll see in the next book, Choices of One. But she is contributing to Palpatine's oppression of the galaxy. If we were ever to get Mara Jade in canon, and I reiterate, I do not believe that is going to happen, but this is where I would prefer to see her used. I would prefer to see her used as a part of the Empire, probably answering directly to Palpatine. I'm not really sure I would make her a Force user because at this point in time in canon, that would make her feel more like one of the Inquisitors. But I could see Mara being used as some sort of special operative working in Imperial Intelligence and being sent on clandestine missions throughout the Empire, if that was ever to happen. Another thing that works for me in Allegiance is the story of the five stormtroopers that desert. It's rare that we get a look inside the minds of the Imperials, particularly during this time period. We get a look in some of their minds post-Return of the Jedi. But around the time of the original trilogy, we rarely get a look inside their minds. I love the fact that Zahn included this in this book. Lerone, Marcross, Grave, Quiller, Brightwater, they have real discussions that military personnel would have when they have issues with the orders they're given. Their conscience eats at them, particularly after the destruction of Alderaan. There are allusions in this book that Lerone has had his misgivings for a while now, starting from before the events of A New Hope. But the destruction of Alderaan crystallized his feelings that this empire is not the empire he signed up for. Lerone and the others saw the Empire as a stabilizing force in the galaxy following the events of the Clone Wars. Let's remember, the Clone Wars ravaged the galaxy. It stretched from one side of the galaxy to the other. It involved planets in the Outer Rim, in the Mid-Rim, even some in the core, although maybe it didn't reach the core worlds quite as much as it did the others. Everyday citizens were simply looking for a stabilizing force. And when the Empire came to power, many of them saw the Empire as this stabilizing force. That's what Lerone and the other troopers signed up for. And I'm sure for the first decade of their service, they believed they were doing what was right. But as the Emperor consolidated more power and continued to strip planets of natural resources and take away the rights of citizens, particularly aliens throughout the galaxy, I understand how a lot of troops would start to question whether or not what they were doing was worth it. 
it's these crises of conscience that I find interesting. You don't see a whole lot of that in early legends. You get that a little bit later on. People struggling with the decisions that they've made and regretting that they made the wrong decisions. As I've said before, I'm a sucker for the whiz-bang adventures of legends. But I still want my stories to have a bit of depth to them. The Hand of Judgment plotline has some depth. And I think it was written very effectively. Now, the one thing that did not work for me in this book was the number of times that all of our characters in the story happened to end up in the place they needed to be at the exact same time. I know what you're thinking. Aaron, it's a story. You have to have the characters interact in order to move the plot along. You're absolutely right. But it seems like Zahn does this a lot in Legends. It's the only thing about his writing that doesn't really work for me. He's great writing characters. He's great writing adventure. He's very good when it comes to mystery, although sometimes I think maybe they get a little too complicated, but he's still very good at it. This aspect of his writing in Legends is the only thing that is a bit of a turnoff for me. It happens in the Heir to the Empire trilogy three times, if I remember correctly. And it happens three times alone in Allegiance. I just don't buy that Mara, the five Stormtrooper deserters, and Han, Luke, and Chewie would continually find themselves in the same place over and over and over again, investigating different aspects of the same thing, but reaching the exact same conclusions. But it does make for a fast-paced story. So, I have to give Zahn that. The last thing I'll say about the book is I'm glad Zahn used Darth Vader very sparingly. Zahn said in an interview once that the only note Lucasfilm gave him about his original draft of this book was that Mara and Vader interacted too much and they wanted him to cut some of those interactions out. So he did. I think that was the right move. I think the less you use Vader, the more impact he has when you use him. That's one small criticism I have of canon right now. I love the way they use Vader in Rogue One and now in the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. But when it comes to the canon expanded universe, specifically the comics... Yeah, that's too much Vader for me. Vader is my favorite character. He probably always will be. I think he's best used sparingly. In the original trilogy, he's not in it a whole lot, but he's what everyone remembers. I think he's only in it a total of like 32 minutes over the entire three movies. So I'm glad Lucasfilm gave on that note, and I'm glad he followed it. Because I think Vader is used best when Vader is used less. Yes, I know that's an extremely cheesy line, but 
it just now popped in my head and I had to use it. Anyway, it's time to wrap up. If you have a question or comment for the show, send me an email at hwlegendslounge at gmail.com or send me a tweet at legendslounge1. I'd love to hear from you. And if you want to get your voice on the show, record your own three to five minute audio file and email it to swlegendslounge at gmail.com. Just record it in MP3 or MP4 audio format. Coming up on the next episode, it's the sequel to Allegiance, Choices of One by Timothy Zahn, a story pitting Marriage Aid against Luke Skywalker. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. I'm Aaron Motes. May the Force be with you. And remember, there's always a bit of truth in Legends.